See, man, everybody likes some kind of candy. And uh, this is a funny thing because when we do these things, uh, we, I, I watch our people turn into kids. And, they, and they, they, uh, they have a lot of fun, more fun than the kids, I think. So from 4 to 6, and uh, Kendra want me to announce that if you are working and serving, to be here no later than 3, please, to get your stuff ready for that. So uh, come back and help us out. Let's, let's get right into the Word this morning. I want you to go to the book of Hosea, uh, which is a little bit difficult to find, so I'll give you some time. And uh, I want to talk this morning about, uh, Chris is going to put it up on the screen so you can have it there. I want to talk about God being, or us being God's restoration project. Has anybody ever restored something? Uh, be it something really big or something really small. Um, there's a bunch of people making a lot of money today. Um, obviously, there are people who restore cars. There are people who restore houses. Um, there, there are people who have hobbies and have garages and have all these things. Uh, but today, there's a lot of shows um, that, are, that are very popular, uh, not too far from us, just down in Waco, you know, the Gaines have, uh, have been doing really well uh, with that show of fixing houses up. Uh, is it Fixer Upper? Uh, I love to watch that show. I love to watch that couple. They're believers, strong believers. Um, and then you got uh, the Property Brothers. You got uh, the show that's called uh, Flip or Flop. You got all these, uh, and then you got all kinds of shows about restoration of cars and different things like that. We'll take these old cars and turn them into something new. And uh, I just want to talk about that this morning because uh, God is in the restoration business. Amen. And every single one of us are a restoration project. And I started thinking about um, a few things that I've been involved in. Like very recently, obviously, going backwards, uh, I've been involved in a lot of restoration projects over my life. I've never uh, 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 done anything like, like... you know, skyscrapers or anything huge like that, but we've done lots of buildings for churches, this being one of them. But this was a pretty building when we came in, so it wasn't something where you had to make it look nice. It already looked nice. But I thought back to the very first time um, I ever restored something uh, was a car. And I was not actually the total restorer, but I, I, at 15 years old, began to think about having my first car. How many remember your first car? All right. And um, if you, if it's funny because I coach at at a, at a private school that has a lot of money, and uh, it's such a contrast between uh, real life and reality, um, and most people's lives. I have kids that are 16 that come to our practices in brand new Mustangs, and brand new cars at 16. That's their first car is a brand new Mustang, and I'm thinking, wow, that's really different from when I was 16. And um, I I remember my first car being. A Volkswagen Bug. Has anybody in here ever had a Volkswagen Bug? I like them too. I actually do. I like them a lot. I really liked mine. It was my mom's dad's. And when I saw it, I did what I feel like God does with us. I saw that car with potential. Amen. I looked at that thing and it was ugly and it was wrecked. The whole front end was smashed in. And it was white and dirty, and my, he had used it for many years to clean to uh, install carpets. That's not exactly your your vehicle you think of for a carpet installer, but he used a Volkswagen Bug, right, Mom, to to fix and install carpets. He was a carpet uh, uh, installer, and so it was you know tore up from the floor up literally that car. But I saw that thing, and I said I can restore that thing. I can make that thing look nice. 
And so I, I talked to my grandpa about it, and I said, can I buy it? And he says, why do you want to buy it? It's, tra- it's wrecked, and it's this, and it's that. And it ran at the time, not real good, but it ran. And so I said, I want to buy it. And he said, you can buy it for $300. Now, that, that was a lot of money for me back then. So I bought that car, and um, then I began to work on it in the little capacity. Nothing on the engine because I didn't know nothing about engines, but I began to work on it. And then I gave it to a guy who, who painted it for me. And uh, I, I, back in that, those days, those were real popular in high school. A lot of guys had them, and they would drop them. Does anybody remember those? They would drop them down to the ground real close, which is the stupidest thing in the world. They look good, but they ride rough. If you hit a, When I got that thing fixed up, if I hit a cigarette butt, I was bumping all over the place, man. And I, I literally run down the road like this and that thing, but it looked cool. It really looked cool. So I got that thing fixed up, painted, put a sunroof in it. Um, put nice carpet in it. Uh, they had, I remember getting magazines where you could order stuff to fix it up and all that. And I got those real cool hubcaps on it. They, they were like they were like one, they looked like a like a, like a coin actually. And, and the new tires and and I had it. Everything was nice, man. I was rolling, and I only had that car for about a month. And after church, I got in that thing and I started up and had that nice cool sound that you know that Volkswagen bugs do. And I got on the freeway. And I was driving to go somewhere after church, and all of a sudden that thing went boom, bam, boom. That's about how it sounded. Right on the freeway, and the engine blew. And so my project was over. Now, that was my fault because I did not put any oil in the engine. But it takes me back to how I saw that car the first time I saw it and how it looked when I got finished with it. No one would have ever recognized it, and it took a lot of work. But it's something that you, you, you see and you say there's potential. And I want you to tell the person next to you, God sees potential in you. Okay? And you are a restoration project. How many believe that this morning? We are all restoration products, projects. And I want to read um, a, a verse in, in uh, Luke. You can stay in Hosea. But many of you know this, and it talks about um, Jesus going after the one. And he says in Luke that, that he, uh, I'm going to read this, just stay in Hosea, you can listen. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if, if, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one? You're the one this morning, which is lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then he says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy. Now listen carefully to this. Likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you for bringing us out on this Sunday morning, getting us out of our homes, out of our beds, Lord, safely to come and worship you. We pray that our worship has been pleasing to you, that our praise has been from our heart. We ask God today that you would open up our hearts and spirits just to receive something that will grow us this morning. And, and we thank you for the power of restoration this morning in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So this is an important thought because obviously we know that you do have to repent to be saved, but he's making a point. 
that someone who strays away is, is important to him. Now, when, we, when something needs to be restored, I've gotten written down the action. This is what re- restoring means, restoration. The action of, re- it's funny, again, pa- Pastor Andrews mentioned that at the offering. We never talk about what we're going to talk about. He just talked about, isn't it nice when you get stuff back? And what God wants us back. Amen? That's why he goes after us. And you say, well, when did I get lost? You were born lost. Amen. We were all born lost. And God is, is chasing after us. God is seeking us. He's, he's, he's going out to find us. Some people say, I found God. No, you didn't. We don't find God. God finds us. Amen. He's chasing after us. He's coming after us to restore us back to the place that he wants us to be. We're born in sin. Adam and Eve messed that up thousands of years ago. So it says the action of returning something to its former owner place or condition now here's the interesting thing we never knew what it was like to be in that condition because we were born in sin but God does God knew that when we were born he wanted to bring us back to our original condition to our original state which is salvation and so the action of returning something to its former owner place or condition now we're going to read in a second uh, the story a few verses in the story of Hosea I'm not going to ask you if you've ever read it. It's one of the most crazy and powerful stories in the Bible. And, and as, as, you, as you think about this this morning, it's a picture of the church. It's a picture of, of God's children and how he restores us. I, I was also thinking back to around the, that, that time, not too long after um, my car situation, when me and Carla got married, I had another opportunity to restore something. And we had just gotten into the ministry. Um, Kristen was just, uh, yeah, she was just born. She was just a baby. And we um, were, were wanting to serve God. And so an opportunity came up at the church we were in, which ended up being the church that we, I, I came out of um, before I met Carla to go to Costa Rica to learn Spanish. And uh, we were the youth pastors in that church. And uh, there was a house on the property of that church that uh, was abandoned. And so, the, the, you know, that's part of these shows, too. They go in and they, and they see these things. Now, if you have ever been part of a restoration project, you have to have a vision to be able to see something that is not as though it will be. And, and some people are not good at that. Like, I remember the first times that I began to work on things like that with my wife around. She, I didn't want my wife, I, I learned the first time, she got, she's gotten better at it over the years, but she didn't have an eye for that. And so I brought her in, and I started telling her the things we were going to do in that first house, and she cried. She, she cried. She said, I don't, I don't want to live in this place, because she was looking at it as it was. I mean, she was, real, she was young, and she's thinking, Really? You want me to, now, this is how bad this house was. It was made of adobe, for one. It's in Tucson, Arizona, which means the walls are made out of mud and clay. And it's got a frame. But I remember at one point, just to tell you how bad it was, I won't get into all the details of it, but it was so bad that I remember at one point I had my feet on the ground in the floor, like the floor was above ground and my feet, I could see the floor. And I remember looking up and I could see the sky. That's how bad the house was. There was there was a hole in the roof and there was a hole in the floor. I was standing on the floor, working on the floor and looking up and seeing the sky and I thought, "Man, this is this is going to be some serious restoration." Amen. But she she saw that thing and she could not visualize it being done. 
And I put months and months of work into it. And praise God, we actually moved into that thing and actually lived in that house. And I was just asking her this morning if she remembers it. And she says, oh, yeah, I remember it. And it got to a, pl- to a place of being living. But when you come into a place that's ugly and it's messed up, it's hard sometimes. Like if you've been to the, our bathrooms back here and you've used the bathrooms, they're real nice. They're real pretty. they got nice wood in there. They're real bright. Those things were a work of, of restoration. We had to make those things. We had to do lots of digging, amen, Santos, lots of digging in the cement and lots of uh, work. to. But if you went into that bathroom a month before we finished, you would have thought this is not a bathroom. There was no floor. There was just dirt. It was all cut up and chopped up. And we have pictures. You can get to a place in your walk sometimes where you can think, man, I, I can't ever get this right. I mean, I can't ever get this right. I remember uh, restoring uh, our, so our tile in our bathroom, in our, in our kitchen. And I remember being at a place. I'm just tying this into your thoughts about how God works on us. And, and, and I was at a place, I, by the way, if you do tile, you don't get paid enough for it. I, I'm, I, I'm, I have made a vow to the Lord. I'm never doing tile again, ever. I don't care what it is. I'm just done. Amen. Uh, it's so hard. It's so painful, you, and I see some people shaking their heads, and if you don't know what it's like, you just need to do it sometime. And I remember getting halfway through that kitchen and just saying, I can't do this. I'm done. And I thought, I have to. I have to get this done. But I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up, and I wanted to be done with it. But, you, you know, that's sometimes how we are with our walk with God. But thank God, God doesn't look at us and say, I'm done with this person. I quit on this person. This person is just too messed up. I can't do anything with them. How many are thankful that God didn't give up on you this morning? Amen. You were at that place where you needed some serious restoration and God did not give up on you. Let's look at Hosea chapter 1 if you're there. And and we're going to read just a few verses. I want to kind of paraphrase this because it can be very long. It's a long, long book. But basically, here's, here's some crazy words. Verse 2, it says, sorry. The word of the Lord began to speak. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry, other words, prostitution, by departing from the Lord. Now, those are not words you're going to hear very often. Amen? Can you imagine being here in church this morning and you're at the altar and, 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 and you're a single person here and God says, hey, I've got a husband for you. I've got a wife for you, but they're down in the prostitution area. Go find them. Right? You'd have to check your ears. Amen. You'd be like, wait, 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 time out. What do you mean? Right? This, he actually got a word. This is a man of God. And God says, I want you to go marry a prostitute. Right? That's, that's not, that's not uh, normal lingo. And so Hosea says he went, he went, he did it in verse 3. He went and took Gomer, the daughter, and then add to that the name, amen. I mean, you know, it could have been a pretty name at least. Even the name was ugly, amen. This is a bad situation. Okay, God, I heard you wanted me to go marry a prostitute, but her name is Gomer. Wait a minute, who's speaking to me here? Amen. And so he goes and they have a child, I'm just paraphrasing that, and then they, they have a child named Diblam, and then um, 
then they have one called Jezreel and one called Lo Rumah. And these are, are children that are coming to him as symbols of how Israel has walked away from God time and time again. And we have to understand the history of the Bible this morning that for thousands of years, God has been chasing his people, calling his people to come back. To, to that land flowing with milk and honey. You, you might not understand this this morning, but God is the, the master fixer-upper. And, and he, he gets so much joy. Listen, he does not get joy in us becoming the project. And he does not make us the project. We, we do that ourselves. But he loves to be the fixer-upper and he loves to, to work on us if we'll let him. And he loves to make us. Now, one of the greatest things about that show with the, with the gains down in Waco is, is what they do at the end. When they, when they have that picture uh, in front. How many have seen that show, by the way? If you haven't, you need to see it. Go YouTube it or something. It's a great show. And they fix these houses up. But they have this big old picture, a huge picture in front of the house um, where you can see what the old house looked like. And then they get the, the clients there, and then they pull that picture away, and then the new house is restored. I, I, I know that God this morning does not like to see us in our place of needing restoration, but he loves to see where he can take us from. He loves to see where we've come from. He loves to see where you are today and where you were yesterday. But we have to understand that with God and in God, we're never going to be, until we get to heaven, the finished project. We are a work in project. That's why I believe this is, we, we need to understand we're a project. If you don't understand that you're a project, you're going you're gonna to fail because you're going to think, man, when will this, am I ever going to get finished? Or you might think, I have arrived, and you haven't. We are a project. We are a work in progress. Can you say amen? So I'm, I, without reading all this, we see here that he hears these crazy words that I want you to go and I want you to marry a prostitute. And the reason he wants him to marry her is because he wants him to redeem her. He wants him to redeem her. He wants to purchase her. And that is what God did for us. He went and he purchased us with Jesus' blood. Amen. And we are that. We are, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, that Barabbas we are Gomer. We are that sinner that needs to be saved. We are that one that needs the forgiveness this morning. We are that project of God. Amen? Here's the crazy thing, though. That woman gets redeemed by, by Hosea. And Hosea means salvation. And uh, she gets redeemed by him. But then, as in Revelation talks about, she goes on in chapter 2. If you'll just look over there real quick at verse 7 and 8. And, and we see her going back to her old ways. Hosea chapter 2 verse 7. Give me an amen if you're there. Says she will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. She will seek them, but not find them. And then she will say, he's prophesying what's going to happen to her. I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now, for she did not know that I gave her grain and new wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. She lost her first love, and she ran away from, from Hosea. And like many Christians today, does anybody realize how many Christians today have lost their first love? 
How many believers today are not serving God and at one time in their life they did? You know, what a, what a refreshing blessing to hear John and Ceci sing God bless their lives. They have to stay the course. You guys have to stay the course. Amen? You, you can't see God. I don't, and I don't say this to scare you. I say this to encourage you. Over the years I've seen so many people get blessed by God and, and God do great and mighty things in them and then they begin to, not, not on purpose, but they begin to somehow sense and feel, well, I'm a finished product now. I have arrived. God has done his work in me. And they don't make that statement. That's just how they, they're thinking. And then they begin to go back slowly to their old ways. They begin to lose their first love. And then they begin to get back to where they were before. And they think, well, I don't, I don't need God. I can do this by myself. And it's amazing how people can forget that it is God. Deuteronomy 18 says it is God who gives men power to get wealth. It is God. And so this woman goes back to her old ways. Now, the thing I really want you to see, I could spend lots of time on this story, but what I want you to really see in Hosea is in chapter 3 is I want you to look at this. He goes, and, and so it wasn't enough that, that God would ask Hosea to go marry a prostitute. It, now he's saying, I want you to go and get her back. She was already in the condition she, she was in when he asked her to marry her. He did that. He was obedient. And, and, and he could have said, and he might have said, and he probably said, God, I did what you asked me to do. Now can I go back to my life? And then later on he says, now I want you, verse, chapter 3, verse 1, the Lord said to me, go again and love a woman who is loved by a lover. And is committing adultery. Didn't say committed. It says committing adultery. Just like. Now watch how he relates this. Just like the love of the Lord. For the children of Israel. Who took no. To, who looked to other gods. And loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. So he says I want you to go back. And I want you to buy her back. Now here's what's crazy. He didn't just say go get her again. He says I want you to buy her back. God's a demanding God in me. Now, but think about this. Have you ever been in a restoration project that didn't cost you anything? That's the interesting thing about a restoration project. I would, I would say, now this doesn't mean all the time, but I would say that most of the time, a restoration project costs more than the original purchase price. And some people would say, well, well why, do you, why don't you just go get a new one? See, that's the problem with our generation. That's what we do. We just go get a new one. If things aren't working out, and here's the thing too, though. I was at my mom and dad's the other day, and we were eating some cake for my sister's birthday, and they have that KitchenAid, um, what's it called? Mixer. How many have ever seen that mixer from KitchenAid? Anybody have one? They have one, and they bought it new, and it still looks like it's new 40 years ago. 40 years ago. So back in 40 years ago, and now they still, they still sell them, and they're a lot cheaper than they used to be. But they're still, I don't know if they're as good now. I can't say that, but I know the old ones are good. But back then, they made things to last. Right? We're, we're, that, back, I know people don't like to talk about the good old days, but they made things to last. Now, now the, 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 the thing that 
that balances that out is today with technology, for example, you can think about cars. I would say, in general, cars today, and you can argue if you want, but I believe cars today are better because of the technology. Now, they're not easy to work on, but, but you know, they can put a 100,000-mile warranty on a vehicle now because of the technology, and there's this not as much of a space gap between now uh, what could be a, 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 a car that wasn't that popular back in the day to a, a, a Toyota. or a, There's not as much space gap because of the technology. But when it comes to things being built right, back in the day they built things to last. And so that KitchenAid thing still works as good as it did 40 years ago, and it's probably going to work 40 years from now. But now things are made to where if, it, if your phone breaks, you just go get a new one. If, you're, if whatever it is, it breaks, you just go get a new one. And so restoration is something that's kind of a lost cause, and I kind of relate that to the church is, is we've kind of just given up on people. And what we really want in the church is we really want to have everybody around us have it all together. And we want to make sure that, uh, and, and that when we make, if someone tries to come into this place and they look like a restoration project, we want to make sure they don't stay around. Oh, come on, somebody. God, this is a restoration project place. This is a hospital, amen? This is a place where God brings in, and I got news for you. You're, that, you're a restoration project too. Amen. We are all restoration projects. If you were to look back at what you looked like six months or a year or two or five years ago, you would be like, wow, I did not realize I looked like that. Right? In the spirit. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about in the spirit. Can you imagine tonight, if we could, this morning, if we could throw up on that screen what you looked like spiritually when you first came to God? We probably looked like Gomer. Right? A prostitute. Someone who was messed up and tore up and broken and hurt. So now, watch with this verse 2. He says, I bought her back for 15 shekels of silver and a half homer of barley. Now, I want to read something. Someone kind of put literature to this. And I want you to picture this with me in your mind. This is kind of a cool way that someone grabbed this. Uh, Gomer is in her, this is right before Hosea redeems her. It's kind of like someone, I guess they did make a movie out of this actually. I haven't seen it. But this is kind of putting it into play or into a movie. And uh, so she is um, like most people. A lot of times we don't see the repentance that people have. Now the repentance needs to lead, lead to turning away. But I believe that a lot of people, uh, and I can speak out of this from, from, from experience, I believe that a lot of people, when they know they're doing wrong, when I was younger and I was backslidden, I knew I was doing wrong. I knew I was not in the right place, and I knew I needed to change. So I believe that, that Gomer here was, was praying and, and saying, God, what am I doing? And help me go back to, 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 to Hosea, who's been so good to me. And she's, she's having these thoughts. But then she got to go to work. She's got to go to work. And we know what she does. And so she shows up at this uh, place where she works. And I'm going to read this. And so her figure and her countenance wear the pain and the disgrace of her transgressions. And as she walks in to this place, the crowd hushes, hushes as she approaches the stage. And they're repulsed from her. And she stares at the ground. And she's prepared to offer herself again to the highest bidder. 
She shudders herself, braces herself for the reaction from the crowd. And listen to what the seller says. We have a real treat for you tonight, men of Baal. the, The person snarled. One has come back to us from the ranks of Jehovah. Let me tell you something. I say this all the time. The devil wants Christians to backslide so he can have them as trophies. The devil cannot defeat God. But the devil can use a backslidden Christian as a trophy. And he can wave it in front of God all day long and say, look, I took one of yours. That's the only thing he can do to defeat God. And I guarantee you it bothers God when he does that. So he says, look, we've got one from the ranks of, listen, it says, it seems that even Jehovah's prophets can't keep their own from the power and influence of our great Baal. This one, may you, this one may you may remember may remember she was one of your favorites, and tonight it is my pleasure to offer to you and to our great Baal. Listen, Gomer, the wife of Hosea, the prophet of Jehovah. So he's introducing her as who she was. And liking it. And at this, the crowd goes wild. They're laughing hysterically. And they're thinking, what a joke this Gomer and her prophet husband were. Surely Baal must love what he is seeing now. Can you picture that this morning? A crowd full of people. And they're introducing her and, and basically saying, look, she's messed up again. They, they, it's, Hosea thought he had her. And, and, and she's just disgraced, and she's looking down. She's got, have you ever read or heard the scarlet letter? She's got the big A on her, on her, on her, uh, on her clothes, and they're just, she's just weeping. And then all of a sudden, though, when all that's going on, from the back, you hear a voice that says, I'll buy her back. I'll buy her back. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine at that moment in that time with all the sneering and all the laughing going on, a voice in the back says, I'll buy her back. Can you imagine what what Gomer felt in her spirit when she heard the voice of her husband who she had left calling her and saying, I'll buy you back. You know, that's the voice that we hear from God when he says, come home. Come home. You've been running long enough. You've been, you've been messing up long enough. You've been, you've been walking in your vomit long enough. You've been messing with the pigs like the prodigal son story says, too long. Come home. I bought you. I paid a price for you. I laid down my life for you. Amen. And he buys her back and does a miraculous thing for, for her. And then it says, in, in verse 5, afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. The missionary Jim Elliott wrote this. He was martyred by his own people he was ministering to. He said, most laws condemn the soul and pronounce sentence. The result of the law of God is perfect. Listen, it convicts but forgives. It restores more than abundantly what it takes away. See, God is a restorer. 
And if you think about these, these things this morning of what I'm talking about, God restores back always better than it was in its prior condition. Amen. I mean, you look at those cars that the people restore, and they they put better stuff in. It's original parts, but it's new. It's better. It works. It, they shine it up. They make it look good. And and the same with the house. If they go in there and restore a house that's messed up, man, they go in there and they build that frame better. They're using better materials the second time, and and they're and they're doing things to make it last. And they're restoring that thing not just to its original condition, but to a better condition than it was. Amen. So then we think about the story as I'm, as I'm beginning to, to, to wrap this up quickly again of David. What a great example of somebody who, who made great mistakes but was redeemed. Now I want you to know this morning God can redeem and restore anybody. Anybody. The only thing we have to do is be willing to be restored. Amen. We have to be willing to be that project. We have to be willing sometimes to go through some ugly points in our lives. Again, if you've ever worked in any kind of construction or done any kind of restoration, it's a beautiful thing to see the finished product. But if you go to a construction site in the middle of a project and you have never done any kind of construction, you are thinking, what in the world is going on here? How in the world are they going to make this look nice? But God has a way of taking things that look bad and turning them around and restoring them. He, he is restoring you right now. You might think, man, do I need, yes, I need restoration right now. You need restoration right now. Me and you are restoration products, amen. We see all, how many of you know the story of David, what he did? He did some, she did some bad things, amen. He, 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 he uh, ended up not going to war and then having an affair and then he ended up killing the person of the of the, the husband of the person he had the affair with. Then he lost his son from that from that affair. And all these bad things happen. And then we find David as an adulterer and a murderer who then f- marries Bathsheba to fix the problems. And we see that when we do these things, there is a price to pay. Amen. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So what that means is, is if I do things that do not get repented for, the ultimate thing of that is death. But that's why we have the power this morning to repent. We have the opportunity this morning to say, God, I I believe that you are the restorer. And I, I want to be restored. How many know God cannot restore anyone that does not want to be restored? There are people today that say, listen, God, I'm good. I'm just going to stay the way I am. You have to allow. God is not going to force himself on anyone. That When, when uh, Hosea came in to buy back Gomer, she could have said, nope, I don't accept that. Just like today, millions of people every day die and go into eternity, every year, every year, die and go into eternity without accepting the purchased blood of Jesus Christ. It's something we have to accept so let's close in this. He says in Psalms 51, you know this verse. He says, create in me, David says, a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And then he says these words, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me 
by your generous spirit. Now, here's the awesome thing about God. We hear the verse, for the wages of sin is death. The devil would like us to stay right there and and have that verse etched in the top of our head and have us think, oh, man, I'm dead. I'm done. It's over. The wages of my sin are killing me. But how many know that that verse has a second part? Does anybody know that that verse has a second part? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we have the wages of sin. We have a a messed up life. We have a heart that's broken. We have wounds that need to be healed. We have made many mistakes. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Charles Spurgeon said, our sinful ways can sap our joy. This is speaking to somebody. And isolate us from the Lord. Our sinful ways can sap our joy and isolate us from the Lord. When you are sinning and and doing something you know you're not supposed to do, and I'm talking about habitual sin. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm talking about when you're living in something you know you're not supposed to be doing, it saps the joy out of you. Some people think, how come I can't get my joy? Because you need to do what Charles Spurgeon then said. He said, confession and repentance, though, provide the way to be restored. Confession and repentance. We must confess and we must repent. You've got to be sorry. You've got to say, Lord, I am a project. I need work. Work on me come in and tear now here's the thing what happens in a restoration product before some project before something is restored things must be torn up I think a lot of people don't ever become the restoration project God wants them to be because they won't allow God to come in and tear some things up See, God's not going to do things cosmetically. If you've ever worked in any kind of construction and and you want to get something done, you can do things in a cosmetic way, meaning it can look good. And if it's not structural, it's not a big deal. But if you're dealing with something structural that can fall or something that could be dangerous, you got to do it right. But it can be easy to just say, well, you know, no one's going to see behind that wall over there. So you know we can cosmetically cover it up and we can fill that in and and you can get that way but if you really are going to have God do a work in you you have to say God you can't say God uh, you know fix me up on the outside and 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 you know you can you can come in this room and work on this project if you want but that room over there you got to stay away from because if you go in there you might start destroying some things and tearing some things up that I really need and I really like and so you can come in but you can't remodel everything Don't we do that as Christians? Don't we do that as believers? We tell them certain rooms he can come in. Got to get to the place where we say, Lord, here's the keys to my house. Come in and do whatever you want. And if some things need, now I'm going to hit the nerve of some hoarders in here. Right? Some people just can't get rid of anything. I'm going to need that. You haven't needed it for 25 years. You're not going to need it now come on somebody sometimes you need to take some stuff and throw it away it's it's, it it don't it's sentimental that's fine you can have sentimental stuff but why don't you have one sentimental thing for that thing instead of like 30 right we got to say god come in 
and just take over. And, and if, if you feel like I need to get rid of that thing and that thing needs to be destroyed, then destroy it. Because I want to be your restoration project. And I want you to put me back to the place that you want me to be. How many believe that restoration is God's plan? It's His plan. It's His purpose. Psalms 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and heals our wounds. He's a good God. There's endless examples. I didn't even get into the New Testament. Endless examples of restoration. That's the people God went to. Jesus went to the prostitute. He, he, he went to, uh, he was in, in places where, where people thought there's no hope for me. That's the God we serve. But you know what? I was that person and you were that person. And Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. How many will let God come in? How many will let Jesus be your foreman this morning? Amen. He'll, let, he'll, he'll be the one that will pull the, pull the plans for you. Say, I'm, I'm at work. We, we, we could, that'd, be a good, that'd be a good bumper sticker. Jesus is at work. Jesus is at work on me. He's still at work on me. He's at work on you. We're all in different places. We're all in different rooms but he's working and he wants to work as you bow your heads and close your eyes I want you to think of one thing as I close this now just focus with me this morning you might not have been here it doesn't matter last week I preached about forgiveness I think one of the things the Lord is showing me that is one of the biggest hindrances heads bowed and eyes closed please everybody because they're going to be coming up here and be a distraction. You'll miss something important here. We talked about forgiveness last week, and it was a powerful time, and I believe it really helped some people. The one thing I couldn't get to that I want to get to this morning, right here as we end, talking about Hosea, talking about Gomer, talking about being a restoration project, talking about letting God come in, all these things. I think one of the reasons people don't get restored fully is this reason. I don't forgive myself. Some of you last week said, okay, I got, I got this. I need to forgive people who've hurt me. I need to forgive others. And even this week, maybe you, you made amends. You forgave some people. You got healed. But there's one person that gets left out a lot. And it's you. You have to forgive yourself this morning. I believe that there are people who have done things. You know, Gomer could not be restored until she admitted that she had made some mistakes, but she also admitted, I cannot live like this anymore. I've got to let go of my past. I've got to believe that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I ask you this morning, do you and have you forgiven yourself? Don't live your life in unforgiveness of yourself. I've just made too many mistakes. I've done too many things wrong. How could God ever forgive me? Okay, God forgives me, but I, I can't forgive myself. I can't, I can't. And you'll live in that bondage of condemnation all your life. 
we must believe the word of God that says he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west we are forgiven we are forgiven we are finished this morning in his work how many this morning would say I'm not saved I'm not born again I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior I want to be a restoration project for God. I want, I want Him to do a work in me. And the world tells me I'm this. The world tells me I'm that. I think this. I think that. But I, I want to be restored this morning. How many would say, would you pray for me, Pastor? I want to be restored this morning. I want to be forgiven. I want to be saved. Just put your hand up and put it back down. That's me. That's me. God bless you. I want to be restored. I want to, I want to be forgiven. I, I want a new life. I'm tired of walking under this bondage and this, this, this condemnation and this feeling that I'm not good enough. I'm done with that. God, help me. As we stand to our feet this morning, maybe you're that prodigal child and you need to get right with the Lord. You need to, you need to say, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to run anymore. Man, I, I don't know your heart. You don't know my heart. We can't see each other's hearts. We can't see what's going on on the inside. But I do know that God's working this morning. I do know that His Holy Spirit is working on us. <clears throat> and now, at this time of the service, is the moment that you can work on your. You can let God work on you. This is the beginning where you say, "Lord, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to pray at my seat. I'm going to speak to you while they begin to sing a song in a minute." And 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 He can begin to come in and say okay here's here's where I want to start and he might start in an area that seems painful let him come in let him work on you and realize that if you've ever done a project in the end it's going to look good might not look good in the middle but it's going to look good at the end because God is the ultimate restorer amen and he's gonna, he does good work and the Bible even says he, let, he who has began a good work in us he will complete it so he's not going to leave us to go work on somebody else. The only time the project stops is when we stop it. When we stop giving him permission to come in. Every day you got to say, Lord, come on in. Come on in and work on me. Amen. So as we sing this song, we're going to open up the altar for a few minutes for people to pray. And just wherever the Lord's placed in your heart this morning to pray for, you can, you can, uh, you can be restored this morning because God is in the restoration business.